This past Friday was my two and a half year anniversary as the president of Southwestern Seminary. And uh, when people ask me, uh, what has it been like being uh, seminary president the last two and a half years, I usually say it has been entirely dull, boring, and uneventful, uh, which is a lie. Uh, I knew that uh, coming to the presidency of my alma mater, my wife's alma mater, we met at Southwestern Seminary, and um, uh, an institution that I love with every fiber of my being, uh, was not just coming back to um, uh, an institution that had a great heritage and legacy, but one that had had some uh, difficult days, and there would be some difficult days we would have to, uh, to navigate, but none of us could have predicted what it would be like in 2019 to go into 2020 or 2021 in the midst of an unprecedented global pandemic unlike anything any of us have seen in our lifetimes. If you could have prognosticated that, it would have been a great time to invest heavily in Purell stock uh, and, and other things like, like that. And that should sober us when we start thinking about uh, what does the future hold? What's it going to be like in 2022, 2023, 2024? And I'm, I'm, an, I'm an administratively type-oriented uh, person. I like to plan and to prepare. I'm, I'm that kind of person. And many of us uh, have heard that uh, line, the best indicator of future performance is past results, right? But, of course, that assumes stasis. That assumes that the circumstances and the culture and the conditions do not change. And that is not where we find ourselves today. And so... What does God desire from us in the midst of rapidly changing, uncertain circumstances that in many ways have jolted us in ways we could not have even imagined? As Mark said in his introduction, he's exactly right. The sting of death of COVID has touched all of us, I believe. I, I, even this last uh, week, I learned of the death of a pastor who I had known, who planted a church in the city that I had pastored in. He and his wife had come up from Florida, actually, to, to plant a church. They had kept the kids in our nursery at one point, had had a very successful ministry, and he died of COVID this last week. Gone. And, and we know more stories like that, tragically. It seems like everything has changed. But may I submit to you, humbly, that while everything has changed, nothing has changed. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Acts chapter 8 is we're going to be at in God's Word this morning. If you have a copy of the Scriptures, either in print or electronic form. Acts chapter 8. And we're going to begin in verse 1. We're going to go down to verse 8. If you have found Acts chapter 8, verse 1... Let me invite you to continue a great tradition I'm told you have here in your church, and that is let us stand together. We might honor the public reading of the Word of God, and I invite you to follow along in your hearts as I share this Word from God's Word. This is Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, going down to verse 8, and this morning I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. The Bible says, Saul agreed with putting him to death. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. 
Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said as they listened and saw the signs he was performing. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. This is the word of our Lord, and thanks be to God this morning. May God richly bless the reading and study of His word together this morning as you were seated. Acts chapter 8, of course, comes in the flow of uh, the book of Acts, recording the work of the Holy Spirit in the inauguration of the New Covenant ministry. Uh, We begin here in verse 1, where uh, we enter into clearly a significant uh, series of events happening that begin just very straightforwardly. Saul agreed with putting him to death. Now, uh, the him there, of course, is Stephen. If we go back to The end of Acts 7, we see it is Stephen who is the one who is executed, if you will. He is the first martyr of the church. And uh, why was he martyred? Because he was a powerful proclaimer of the Word of God. He preached boldly, fearlessly, uncompromisingly about who Jesus was and what he had done. Though when we first meet Stephen back in Acts 6, he's one of these seven men chosen to uh, deal with an emerging crisis in that early church that really centered around uh allegations of favoritism partiality even racism if you will as the hellenistic jews and the hebraic jews were at a sense at war with one another and the apostles were led to say let's set aside seven men full of the holy spirit and of faith we can uh, assign to this task of waiting tables if you will and those seven guys start off on the list with stephen but it's clear stephen was far more than a table waiter Uh, he was one who was powerful in his proclaiming of the gospel In such a way, he dies. The seabed of the church is the blood of the martyrs. Saul, we meet there at the the end of Acts 7. Saul, of course, is Saul of Tarsus. Uh, Now, we know, jumping ahead, when we get to Acts 9, Saul has this marvelous, uh, dramatic uh, Damascus Road conversion experience where, as Hank Williams sang about, he saw the light, and more than that, he heard a voice, and he was gloriously, radically converted, changed by the power of God. And we come to know him down through the tunnel of time, not by his uh, Hebrew name Saul, but by his uh, Hellenistic name Paul, uh, became the apostle to the Gentiles, a marvelous uh, man of the faith for whom all of us in a sense owe our salvation to if we're not ethnic jews the gospel came to us because of the missionary labor of paul but we're not in acts 9 we're in acts 8 and so he he, he's not to that point yet he's still saul and this saul is almost monomaniacally focused upon doing everything he can to exterminate and eradicate the way christianity to the point of which he's the one there holding the coats of the guys who are stoning Stephen at the end of Acts 7. And it goes on there in verse 1. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. Notice this next phrase. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Now just stop there for a moment. When we're reading through our Bibles... We can just kind of blow on by that, buzz on by, because we're reading black and white words. And particularly if we're trying to read through the Bible in a year, we've got to make time getting our chapters and verses in, so we just keep clicking and stuff. But do you realize the absolute enormity of what is being communicated in just that one clause? 
in one moment, everything changed. Jerusalem, which had been the epicenter of the church since Jesus. Jerusalem, the city that Jesus was executed in, that he was resurrected in, that he commissioned his disciples from, that he ascended from, that the Spirit of God falls at Pentecost in Acts 2 in Jerusalem, Acts 3, Acts 4, 3,000 saved at Pentecost, 5,000 saved in a day, people being saved every day. By the way, you know, do you all know people can get saved on a Monday afternoon? We almost never hear about it, but it actually can happen. Did you know people can get saved on a Thursday morning? On a Saturday night? Read the book of Acts. They were being saved every day, going house to house, where, as B.H. Carroll, a biblical scholar and the founder of Southwestern Seminary said, that in a period of six months, the early church went from 120 in that upper room there in Acts 1 to over 60,000 believers. And they did that without any of the things that all of the consultants and the gurus and the pundits try to tell you you've got to have to grow a big church. Because they didn't have a building they called their own. They didn't have all of the support and the staff and everything else. But the one thing they had may be that which we need more than anything else today. And that is the undiminished, undiluted power of the Spirit of God. In fullness and in freshness. Acts 3 and Acts 4, persecution starts. And these fearless disciples say, we can't stop, stop preaching about what we've heard and what we've seen. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we can be saved. And they even saw that persecution as a mark of their union with Christ and their identity that they belonged to him. They did not regard it as something that was foreign to their faith, but something that actually fortified their faith and testified as to the truth of their salvation. Acts 5, the first example of divine church discipline there with Ananias and Sapphira. Acts 6, of course, and 7, what we just talked about with the deacons, Stephen. All that was in common here was everything's happening right there in the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's where it's all beginning. Jerusalem's where it's all happening. And in one fell swoop, it's gone. Everything they had known, everything they had taken comfort in, everything that they had claimed as their own, it was all completely taken away from them in one fell swoop in such a way, church historians tell us, that the church in Jerusalem never gathered together again in that same way at any point since that time. Talk about disruption. That's not just your church can't meet for a few weeks or a few months. Complete displacement. And it is interesting to me, their response about how everything's changed. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. We get a little more commentary here about Stephen. Devout men buried Stephen, verse 2, and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. If you enjoy studying your Bible, 
The term ravaging here in the original Greek is a term that is used only here in the New Testament. It, it carries the force of a severe ferocity, a virulence, a violence, if you will, to make the point. This is not just a, a inconvenience. This is not just a person at Target not saying Merry Christmas to you and thinking you're being persecuted for righteousness sake. Okay, This is real. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. This is hardly your best life now kind of stuff. Verse 4. So those who were scattered raised their voices to God and complained about the unfairness and inconvenience of it all. No, but bless your heart, if there had been a bunch of Baptists there, that's what we would have done. And if you don't believe me, think about how we have acted and reacted in the midst of all that's transpired over the last 18 months. I've talked to students and pastors and ministers aplenty. And I'm telling you, our pastors in so many cases have been put in no-win situations. Because you've got people who think we're not taking this seriously enough, we're taking it too seriously. We're not requiring enough, we're being too uh, forceful. We're not doing this, we should be doing this, and whatever else. And that's just in one church. In just one group. And if, and if, and if you want to really, really animate things, bring up vaccines and masks in a Baptist church today. And you get to see, truly, that old axiom is true. Wherever two or three Baptists are gathered together, there are at least four or five opinions present. <laughs> Conflict, controversy, consternation, complaint, criticism. Unlike anything I've seen. And I'm only 43. Not in third grade anymore, thank you. But Now, I haven't seen everything, but I've seen a lot in the, the last 18 months. In fact, for people who don't know me, I tell them, when I became president of Southwestern Seminary, I had a head full of bushy hair. And this is what two and a half years has done to me. It is surprising to me that there is no hint of complaint, criticism, controversy, nothing. In fact, it, it, it lulls us in some ways to miss the significance of what is happening here. Because even in a moment where everything had changed, they act like nothing's changed. You see that? So those who were scattered went on their way, preaching the word, proclaiming the message, doing the work getting the job done there, there's no sense of woe is us there, there, there's no turning and becoming uh, internally focused navel gazing self-pitying even though everything had changed they realized nothing had changed maybe it's because they actually remembered something key in Jesus' last words to them in Acts 1.8. The Great Commission is given five times, once in each of the four Gospels at the end, and then in Acts 
You remember in Acts chapter 1, Jesus gathers together with the 11, Judas being off the scene. He reminds them to wait in the city of Jerusalem until their Holy Spirit empowered. And he says to them there in Acts 1.8, And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end, to the uttermost part of the earth. Right? Now many of us, particularly those of us in Southern Baptist denominational life, have always tried to take Acts 1-8 and make that our mission strategy. You've got to reach your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samarians. We've got to reach Leonard Town and St. Mary's County and Maryland and America, right? But before Acts 1-8 was your church's mission strategy, it was the mission strategy. Go back and read Acts 1, Acts 8-1. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of where? Judea, Samaria. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Acts 8.1 changed nothing about Acts 1.8. If anything, Acts 8.1 is the continuation of the fulfillment of Acts 1.8. Which is why we don't see Anything manifested here, even in the midst of turmoil, tribulation, and disruption, what we see is submission, obedience, and faithfulness. Everything had changed, but nothing had changed. The mission hadn't changed one bit. It didn't matter, the circumstances. See, these people were mission-centered, not me-centered. And so what mattered most was their obedience to fulfill the mission. They did not count themselves as most important. What they counted was being found faithful to the task that had been given to them. And so it wasn't about convenience. It wasn't about tradition. It wasn't about how we've always done things. It didn't matter what may come. They knew God was in control. And they'd been given a commission. And so we're stunned in some ways by just how nonchalant. So those who were scattered went on their way, preaching the word, proclaiming the message. It's been interesting to me to watch and to read and to listen and to hear about how COVID has impacted our churches. If you pay attention to such things, you will know that last year, uh, the number of baptisms recorded by Southern Baptists dropped to a level that we haven't seen in nearly three quarters of a century. And the trend lines continue to be quite challenging in every way. Uh, We could just stop and talk about a lot of things that are of great concern in terms of the evangelistic effectiveness of our churches and what our churches are doing to get the gospel out and it is easy for us at times to find every excuse as to why we will not fulfill the mission every excuse as to why we can't do this that or the other i've noticed something about baptists and i I am one convictionally and without compromise but i've noticed something about us 
When there is something that we really want to do, we will always make a way. When there is something that we really do not want to do, we will always make an excuse. The same crowd that says, I can't come to church for X, Y, or Z, will still go to their stadium or arena to watch their favorite team because behold thy God. If we can find ways to do the things that we really want to do and not do the things we really don't want to do, have we reflected upon why it is that our hearts are so inclined to minimize that which these people put first priority upon, which was faithfulness and fidelity to the unfinished task. See, the reason why Leonard Town Baptist Church exists is not to be a country club with a cross on top or a wonderful place to have a social gathering and a great time and see each other and feel good about ourselves. The reason why Leonardtown Baptist Church exists is to make it as humanly impossible for anybody to die in St. Mary's County and go into a Christless eternity. That, 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 that's the only reason you exist. Everything else is a derivative fringe benefit. Serious. If, 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 if we fail in the area of seeing men and women and boys and girls experience the life-changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we need to shut the doors and go do something else because the community does not merely need just another nonprofit organization committed to making life better in St. Mary's County so people can have a fuller stomach and a warmer body and die and go into a literal, eternal separation from God. And it's very easy for us to take our eyes off the task and put our eyes on ourselves and to become very introspective, very myopic, very me-centered, very this and that and the other. 180 degrees away from what these believers did in a time where they faced something unlike anything we faced. Philip, verse 5, this Philip is another one of those seven guys when when. We read Acts 6, those first deacons. There's Stephen, Philip, and five other guys we never hear about again. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said as they listened and saw the signs he was performing. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Verse 8, do not miss verse 8. So there was great joy in that city. Scattered from Jerusalem, faithful to the mission, great joy in Samaria. Would to God that God would so get a hold of Leonardtown Baptist Church, all of you, and use you in such a way to where in and through you the gospel of Christ sounds forth with crystal clear clarity in the midst of a culture of confusion and compromise and capitulation on so many things. In such a way that here in Leonardtown there will be great joy in this city. Here in St. Mary's County there will be great joy in this county. Across Maryland there will be great joy in this state. It happened then. Why not now?
Because if not us, then who? We can't wait for somebody else to decide if they're going to take seriously Great Commission obedience, if they're going to rise up and fulfill the task. Over dinner last night with the Dooleys and pastor's family, talking about the religious condition of St. Mary's County. And he did a little, Mark was telling me, he did a little study of if all of the evangelical churches, and I'll tell you, he has a much looser definition of evangelical for that purpose, uh, to say the least, were filled to the brim on a Sunday. There would still be, how many people, Mark? And how many people are in the county? So 100 minus 12, I did go to school in Polk County, I can do math, 88,000 minimum, 88,000 people that even if they wanted to come to church, there wouldn't be room for them if every church in the county was filled and every church in the county is not filled. And I haven't seen people standing in line outside of here yet. Then dear friends, there is work to be done. There is a task for us. Would to God that God might use the global pandemic of COVID-19 to shake us out of the comforts of an American churchianity that has been content to sit back and relax and say, hey, we built the church. If you build it, they'll come. Or that's why we pay pastors and bring in hired gun staff and we let them do the work. And we'll just kind of sit back and relax and we'll enjoy a good time every Sunday. Check the religious box one hour on Sunday morning. Give God that. Walk out and say, thanks, preacher. See you next Sunday. And live like we want to live the rest of the week. With no regard to concern for the things of God. Dear friends, it's time to get serious about this Christian business. It's time to stop playing church. Making excuses. Assigning blame, worrying about things that don't matter, fighting over stupid stuff. Would by the Spirit of God that we might have the kind of commitment seen here in Acts 8 4. No matter what may come, in 2020 and 2021, it's been COVID 19. Who knows what it'll be in 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025? We don't know. Nobody knows. But what we do know is what's required of us is to be found faithful as God's people. For God to make us fruitful in His task of helping those who are far from God come to know Christ in a life-changing and saving way. What about you, Leonardtown Baptist Church? Do you desire to be used like that? To see the Lord do a work like that? Is it your prayer and your hearts cry that there might be great joy in your city. Father, in Jesus' name, we're thankful for these moments together around your word. God, you are so wonderfully good to us. You are better than we deserve, because what we deserve is death and hell. What we deserve is to be eternally separated from you. But, Lord, in your loving kindness, you've given to us everything. A new name, a new identity, a new family, a new purpose, a new mission a new destiny. Father, I pray for these dear people. Lord, for the pastor, the elders, the leadership here. 
Lord, I pray by your spirit, you would just fall fresh on this place. And I pray, oh God, that you would just work the work only you can to raise up an army of men and women, boys and girls, that would be serious about doing everything it takes to make it humanly impossible for anybody in St. Mary's County to go into a Christless eternity because they never had a chance to hear, to respond, to repent, to believe. I pray, Lord, for the ongoing work of the Baptist Convention of Maryland and Delaware. Bless our Great Commission partners there who are seeking to bring the light of Christ across the bi-state region here. And Father, for the work of Southern Baptists, I pray, Lord, that you would indeed continue to help us to be found faithful to the unfinished task of doing everything we can to get the gospel across America and to the nations. Lord, we commit the rest of this service to you. Use it for your glory. Bless us now as we continue in worship. For we ask and we pray all these things by the Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen.